Jesus, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. We ask that may Christ alone be exalted in our midst. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. We thank God for another opportunity to continue our discussion on why in the wilderness. And we are on the path four of our study. And we have been perusing Deuteronomy chapter 8. We are currently on the verse 3, but I'd just like to start from the verse 2, even as I just do some brief recap and we learn something new. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, I'll be starting from the verse 2. It states, And if you have you these 40 years in the wilderness, to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not, the verse 3. And he humbled you and suffered you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you knew not, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord, does a man live. Well, the word um, is mana. I know most of them are not. We call it mana. Mana. It's actually mana. And it actually means, what is this? <laughs> so when God started giving them mana, they woke up in the morning and they saw some white thing like a flower on the floor. They are reacting at, what is this? And in the Hebrew tongue, is mana. But let's take, let's take another look at it from the verse 2. It says that, God led them to the wilderness these 40 years. He did that for a reason. And one of the reasons which he did that was to humble you. Now, I think in the second episode, I talked about humility a bit, where I stated that to be proud is to be conscious of people's classes and people's races and be conscious of groupings and all those things, where you relate with people based on what they have, based on certain criteria you deem as important or not. And that is to be proud. And another important indicator, another important virtue of humility is to be teachable. So one of the synonyms of humility is actually teachable and it's very important. Many of us, as we grow older, we become more difficult to be teachable. We now develop an attitude where we speak back at everything. For example, look at your parents. When you are younger, anything your parents say, they say, yes, da, yes, my, yes, my mother said, my father. But as you keep growing older and now you have a university degree or you are in the university or you are brilliant, you, you seem to think that you have become wiser than your parents. So whenever they speak, you think you have the audacity to speak back in a certain manner. But one virtue about humility means to be teachable, no matter where you have got to in life, no matter what you think you know in life, you must always have the disposition where you can be taught. It's not every time that you must speak back. It's not every time that you must prove that you are correct. It's not every time that you must justify your reason. And sometimes you should just learn how to be teachable. So one of the reasons why God led them to the wilderness was to teach these people that there are so many things about life you don't know. And I need to humble you. I need to make you teachable because that is very critical to enter the promised land. And it says that to prove you, to know what was in your heart. And as I was preparing, as I was meditating on this thing again, Abraham's story just came to mind. I just want us to take a look at it because I think it's very important. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22 when God told Abraham to offer Isaac. Now, God, as I like to say, is a very interesting father. Now, look at his choice of words. Look at verse 2, Genesis 22. And the Lord said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. <laughs> I don't want to just, something interesting just dawned on me as I was thinking about this. We all know very well that Isaac is not the only son of Abraham. In fact, Ishmael came before Isaac. So why is God saying, take your only son? Very, very interesting. <laughs> and I think when I'm talking about the second or the next point, I will chip in an answer or one of the many reasons. But God was saying that, take your son, your only son, 
the one whom you love. Because, you know, Abraham could have played tricks with God. He could have said, no, if you say my son, you're talking about Ishmael. So God said, okay, I know you might think I'm talking about Ishmael. He said, your only son. He said, ah, my firstborn. You know, in the olden days, the firstborn was the one who inherited the father. Then he added his name, Isaac. Isaac, the one whom you love. Because for all you know, Abraham might have had another Isaac somewhere. So in quote, God wanted to be sure of what he was telling Abraham. But now let's look at what happened in the verse 12. You know, Abraham went through with it. But look at what God said in the verse 12. And the Lord said, Lay not your hand on the lad, neither do anything to him. For now I know that you fear me. This is very interesting. Now, before that, let's look at the verse 1. It just gave me Genesis chapter 22. And it came to pass after these things that the Lord sought to prove Abraham. It's very interesting because Abraham has been working or has been dealing with God for the past 25 years. And are you telling me that God didn't know that he could trust Abraham or God didn't know that Abraham would really obey him? This is a man who was 75 years old and was willing to unsettle his family. A wealthy man, he was willing to unsettle his family, dislocate his whole family and land, I will show you. Come on, God. <laughs> See, the way sometimes it's very difficult for us to move, especially if you're in Ghana, maybe you're used to being in Accra or in Kumasi. These are kind of our big cities. The one that God tells you to go to maybe the northern region or the Volta region, a particular region you don't want to go to. See, the way it's so unsettling. At least you know a destination. But there was the man that when God had told him that pack your things, even though if you take a look at it, Abraham delayed for about I think 15 years. One day you do a study about Abraham, but that's not where we are going. Even though Abraham delayed, but Abraham got up, took his family to a land I would show you. And this guy was able to wait on you for a child. This guy was able to receive faith. This guy was able to believe that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was a man that offered sacrifice. He was a man that waited on you for 25 years. But Genesis 22 is still alive, and God sought to prove him. Sweetheart, the wilderness you must go through, God must prove you. No matter how long you have been working with him, he must still prove you. And I know some versions will use the word tempt, some versions will use the word testing, some versions will use the word to try him. But we know very well from James chapter 1 that the word there cannot be tempted because God himself cannot be tempted, neither can he tempt anybody. But actually, God sought to prove Abraham. And as I said, for 25 years, I've been working with this man. He didn't know <laughs> that he was willing to go this length. But still, God wanted to prove him. And I look at what God said in the verse 12. I read earlier on that. Now I know that you fear me, seeing that you have not withheld your only son from me. So up until Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, God was still not sure about him. This tells us how important the wilderness is to God and it's critical for your Christian work. And I also find it mind-boggling because before this, when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he made a very important statement about Abraham. He said that, I'm hiding this thing from Abraham, seeing that I would bless him and you inherit all these lands. So if you know Abraham will be great and you command his household after you, etc., why then do you still seek to test him? It just lets us know that the wilderness season is a must for every child of God. Now, after Abraham passed his wilderness, look at what God said in the verse 16. And the Lord said, I swear by myself, <laughs> because you have done this, because you have not withheld your son, your only son, in blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying your seed, let's take note, he didn't say your seeds, but your seed. That one too, it's another study. <laughs> but he said that, and I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gates of your enemies. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed me. Wow. So when Abraham successfully passed the wilderness, this is like God could not contain himself. The Bible said, and God swore by himself. In other words, what God said was that if I am God, if indeed I am created creator, Abraham, in blessing, I would bless you. Possess the, I could just imagine the way God was, <laughs> he was pouring out his all upon Abraham. This is what happens when you pass the wilderness test. God is able to trust you with blessings that you can't imagine. 
because God knows what is in your heart. Let's go back to our Deuteronomy. It says to humble you, to prove you, and to know what was in your heart as to whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now the verse 3 where we ended off last week, it says to humble you and to suffer you to hunger. And that's what we dealt on last week. Talking about the fact that especially those of us who want to go into ministry, we have the funny idea that we want to work for a period, get enough money so that I'll go into the ministry, not to look like somebody who is going into it for financial gain so that I'll be independent, I'll be supporting my ministry. Please, please, God wants you to start from zero because there's a certain thing that is in a man's heart that when God allows you to do this, will not give him the glory. And as we go on, you will realize why the wilderness is very important and why God must take you from hunger to plenty. Why he must suffer you to go through hunger and provide him for you. Now let's go on to what we are really looking on for tonight. And you see that, and I fed you with manna. And I explained why is manna. That's the actual pronunciation. Which you knew not, neither did your fathers know. And he's saying that I gave you a particular source of provision. I supplied your every need and the provision I made available for you. You had no idea where it came from. Neither did your fathers have an idea. And actually, if you read the book of Psalms, David gives us an idea that the manna that they ate was actual angels' food. So God literally had to, just to make it sound humorous, divide Angel Michael's food into two. And say, please, now they are sharing your food with the Israelites. God literally had to provide for them without their help. And this is very important. God does not need your help or your effort in fulfilling his promise towards you. God does not need your help or your effort in taking care of you. All that God needs is your obedience. Because whenever you decide to help or contribute towards God fulfilling his promise, you give it to an Ishmael. So Abraham, after he had waited for a period and his wife Sarah suggested the Hagar idea, he thought that actually it's true. God said, I'll give you my own seed. I'll give you my own child, sorry. So the main thing is that the seed will come from me regardless of who the channel was from. But God emphasizes that no, it's not just about you, but it's about you and Sarah. So whenever you try to help God fulfill his promise, you are going to give birth to an Ishmael. That is why, sweetheart, there is no need to be dishonest in at your workplace. There is no need to steal. There is no need to inflate your hostel prices, to inflate your school fees, because you need your parents to give you more money. And I know we have all done this. Okay, not all of us do. Some of us, we have never done this. But there's this story where um, I think um, a father was asking his child for money as the child was working. And the father said, oh, the roofing sheets in the house are spot also, so send me money to repair the roofing sheet, etc. So the son sent money, sent money. Then I think Christmas also, the son came home. It was like, ah, nah, you said the roof in the house is spot. And I've been sending you money to repair it, but the roofing sheet is the same thing. And the story, the father said that, you think those days when you're in school and you're sending me lists that you need money to buy apparatus, you need money to buy funny, funny things, you think I didn't know what was going on, me too, <laughs> it's my time to pay back. You see, but there's no need to do all these things because God does not need your help, God does not need your effort, God needs your obedience. That is why he will give you mana, which you have no idea where it's coming from. That is why God will supply certain need from you, where you you have no idea because sometimes when you have an idea you are tempted to help god and sometimes because we want to have an idea of where the help is coming from we end up misbehaving and aborting our miracle many of us if we we're in the shoes of joseph we would have thought that the dream that god gave me that i will be great is actually by sleeping with potiphar's wife sweetheart all that god requires is your obedience and god will provide for you through unusual means. And this unusual means doesn't mean ungodly means. Because you know, sometimes we Christians, you can be very funny. You can say, I don't want to give any example, but you should sometimes know when people come and give testimony that God has made a way for them. Sometimes, if you know the story which they are claiming that it is God who made the way for them, <laughs> let me just end there. You get my drift. But sometimes God provides for, for you through an unusual means so that you will know that you had nothing to do with it, so that you will know that it is purely the provision of God for your life. Now let's look at a very interesting story to buttress this point. In 2 Kings chapter 3, the verse number 14, 
So let's see how God provided for a group of people in the wilderness. You can read the whole story so that you can get an idea, but I just want to take a note. And Elisha said, As the Lord of whose lives, before whom I stand surely, if it were not for the fact that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not have come to come and look towards you, nor see you. So now Jehoshaphat and Ahab, I think like Ahab, about I think about three kings were going to fight against the king of Moab. Yeah, I think King Ahab called King Josaphat and another king to help him fight against the king of Moab because according to me, he has rebelled against him. So as they were going, they got to the wilderness and they were out of food. They were out of water. There was no food for their animals. There was no food for the human beings. Then Josaphat asked that, is there no a prophet around that we, can, we may inquire of? So then they went to see the prophet Elisha. And this is what Elisha was saying, that if it wasn't because of the king of Jehoshaphat, if it wasn't for the king of Judah, that was Jehoshaphat, I will not have come to look at you because God was angry at Rehab and the prophet was aware. So the prophet was angry at Rehab because Rehab had forsaken the Lord of Israel. So now this is the famous verse that we know, verse 15. Now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass that when the minstrel played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Now look at what the prophet says in verse 16. And he said, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water that you may drink, both you and your cattle and your beasts. And your beast, verse 18. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. Sweetheart, you see, what the prophet was telling him that all that God requires of you is to make the ditches. How the ditches will be filled, you have no idea. And he's saying that it's not as if God is going to cause rain to pour. He said, You will not see any wind. You will have no idea how how these things are going to happen. But all you realize is that the valley will be filled with water. And you see that this thing is a light thing for God to do for you. And you see that I'm not just going to fill your valley with water, but I'm also going to deliver the Moabites into your hand because this thing is but a little thing for the Lord. Look at the way sometimes we magnify our problems. Because we think the school fees you need, the spouse you need, the job you need, the health you need is something big for God. But God is telling you that I'm going to provide manna that you have no idea where it's coming from. You would have no idea. And it's the same thing in Ecclesiastes um, chapter chapter 11, the verse, the verse 5. It says that as you know not what is the way of the Spirit, or the, actually is the wind. He says, you have no idea where the wind comes from or know where the wind is going. Nor does, nor know the bones, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of hair that is with the child. Even so, you know not the works of God who makes all these things. And he says, just as we have no idea where a wind is blowing from and where the wind is going to, just as we have no idea how bones are able to form in a child in a mother's womb, so also you have no idea how God is going to work out things in your life. Look at the way God made David a king from the wilderness, from the backside of the wilderness, from taking care of sheep. Look at the way God was able to lift this man into be the king of a powerful nation, of the most powerful nation at that time. Look at how God transformed a slave Joseph into the prime minister. Do you think that God cannot change your situation, but you are in the wilderness to learn a lesson? Don't try to cut corners because mana is on the way coming. Now let's continue. And he's saying that the reason why I'm humbling you or the reason why I'm suffering you from hunger and feeding you, the reason why I'm giving you manna that you have no idea, that's the verse 3, that you would know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord shall you live. Now God is, is like he's wrapping up the whole story. He said that the main reason why I took you to the wilderness, the main reason why I'm interested in proving you, the main reason why I'm interested in humbling you, the main reason why I'm interested in making you go hungry and providing for you is so that you will realize that what you need to survive in this world is not that which sustains your body, but the words which I speak. 
and this is an important lesson that God will teach you. God must teach you or God will take you to the wilderness to let you know that what you need to survive in this world is not your academic credentials. What you need to survive in this world is not your family background. What you need to survive in this world is not your good network. What you need to survive in this world is living by the words which I speak. And when we talk about the word of God, I think I've explained it under the series, Who Told You? We are talking about the Rima, the Lucas, and the Graphene. So depending on the context, but they all mean the word of God. Actually, in this context, it's referring to the Rima, the word that God gives you. That is the word that you need to survive so that you will not have any confidence in the flesh, nor the things pertaining to the flesh. This is very important. Let's read it again in verse 3. There's the B part. That you might know that man does not live by bread only. Bread is important for survival. And if you just know, in fact, I don't need to explain that bread is important, but I think many of us, we underestimate the effects of food. Food or hunger, if I should say, can make us behave in a very funny way. <laughs> You'll be surprised. There's a story of a, a friend told me at the time came when he was in the university, they were having a, a, a pastor's conference and it's the church he belongs to. They were having it on the university campus. So they asked the university students to stay around and help them organize. And these are men of God, like men of God, men who have churches, <laughs> who are pastoring churches, men with children, with wives in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, bishops and the rest. And he said that it's interesting how these men of God behave when it's time for lunch. He said, You'll be surprised. He said, Food is not a respecter or hunger, if I should say. He's not a respecter of persons. He said he was shocked to see ministers of God, the ministers of the gospel, grumbling over food. Hey! <laughs> when it comes to hunger, please, there is no dignity. He said he was so shocked that ministers were not fighting, like literally fighting, but people said, hey, you are crossing me, you came to meet me, that kind of thing. Hey! Ministers, he said, see that? When it comes to food, <laughs> we all have a way of behaving funny. So God is letting them know that what you need to survive is not just what is feeding your flesh, but what is also feeding your spirit, which is the words which I speak. And this is very important. God is letting us understand that what you should live by is not just what your body receives. It's not just the information your body perceives, but the information your spirit is able to pick up from me. So you don't live by the information your body receives, but you live by the information that your spirit is able to take from the words which I speak. That is why this Christian work is not about how you feel. So Paul puts it this way. We do not walk by sight, but we walk by faith. He's telling us that we do not walk by the thing that our senses or our flesh picks up, but we live by faith. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the words which God speaks. It's very important because many a times we think that we walk by sight. We think that we live by the words. We live by what? the information our body receives. Sweetheart, you do not have a choice to forgive somebody. What is the word of God saying? The word of God says, forgive 70 times, 70 times. He's not saying that calculate the number of times somebody offends you. He's saying that forgive without number. Lose count of the number of times you forgive people. But if you see the way sometimes we put up defense, why we think we have the audacity not to forgive. Because the person was so close to you. How could he? How could she? <laughs> who do you want to offend you? The person who is close to you would offend you. He said, no, no, I can't forgive. But this one day I can't forgive. What you are doing is that you are living by sight. You are living by information your body picks up. You are living by your emotions. You are living by the way you feel. But God is saying that I'm taking you to the wilderness so that you will know that the way you should live your life is by the words which I speak. So you do not have a choice to forgive your father who abandoned you. You do not have a choice to forgive your cousin who molested you. You don't have a choice to forgive your anger who betrayed you. You don't have a choice to forgive your aunties who are making promises and are always failing. You do not have a choice because if you do not forgive men their trespasses, our Father in heaven would also not forgive you. 
We do not have a choice to love because God's word is that we should love. We do not have a choice to tolerate people because love tolerates. In fact, the first characteristics of love, according to 1 Corinthians 13, love suffers long. It's very interesting. Love does not just suffer. The Bible says it suffers long. God is new to the wilderness so that you will learn to live by the words. Last week, as I was just preparing for this teaching, I don't know whether God was, was testing me. My younger kids, some amount of money, you know, for them to buy credit. Because right now, data is really expensive and they need to their up and down, small, small. So I thought I would give them some amount of money. I was expecting some money. I was like, oh, I'll give this one this, I'll give this one that. So I was writing my budget down. But during the week, they offended me and I was bought with them. And I said, ah, this is a book card. The money I'm going to give them, let me divide the money by three. <laughs> so let's ask, let's see. I'm going to give them 100 CDs. But because that offended me, I was thinking of giving them 20 CDs. And I could just feel God looking at me. There's a particular emoji I like on WhatsApp. I could just feel God giving me that emoji. And I was like, God, what's up? I was like, you are living by how you are feeling. You're not living by my word. So now, because they had offended me, I was going to change the way I reacted towards them. That is what it means to live by sight. That is what it means to live by the information your body receives. That is what, to, that is what it means not to live by the words which God speaks. And this is very important because many times we relate with people based on how we feel about them or based on what they do to us. And this was something God taught me. In fact, one of the very first times I heard God speak to me was about a topic like this from Romans chapter 5, verse 8. I am one of the scriptures I had memorized very early, but I really didn't understand what the scripture meant. That God demonstrated his love towards us, right? But I didn't really know what it meant. I remember one day I went to visit my auntie, came out of the room, and we were like, nah, Mommy, 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 I want ice cream, I want chocolate, that kind of thing. And my auntie made a very interesting statement. It was like, You people, your results have come. See the way you have performed woefully. You want me to go and buy your ice cream. It's as if you don't go and learn. You know the type of African parents. And she made a very interesting statement. She said that when you do well in your exams next term, I would buy you that ice cream. Then I could just hear God whisper at me. And God just said that while you were failing your exams this term, I was already buying ice cream for you. God didn't wait for us to pass our exams before buying us ice cream. God didn't wait for us demonstrated his love towards us because that is who is that is who he is and as a child of god who you are is that you live by the words that god speaks towards you you do not live by the way you feel you do not live by the way people respond to you that's what paul also meant in second timothy that even when we do not remain faithful god still remains faithful and god is taking you to the wilderness to teach you this lesson that the way you relate with people the way you should conduct yourself it should be based on the words which i speak so if the word of god says that do not be overcome with evil but overcome evil with good you do not have a choice if the word of god says that if your neighbor if your neighbor slaps you on one cheek then the other cheek however you want to interpret it <laughs> it's a very interesting thing that jesus said that is how you should live your life so god wants to take us to the place where we make every decision based on the word of god where every choice we make is influenced by the word of god so you don't go and tell god that god the guys in my church there are some way christian brothers that are boring they're always taking me to one church program after church program so me i don't believe i the one i want when god's word is saying you but you think that the, the the wisdom of this world is is supersedes that of god you should not live by people's experiences you should not live by people's traumas you should not live by people's standards but you should live your life based on what god's word says and we all do this one way or the other consciously unconsciously as well in the university based on the story you heard when you're entering university or when you entered university that's what you shape your relationship some people are like oh me i heard that if you date on campus 
my final year or two after a semester in fact the relationship will not even, the relationship will not even get to school get end to end some will be like oh me i had that relationship on campus are very strong because you get to know the person thoroughly and so because of that me i want to date first year some will be like me i had that hey actually if you don't grab by time you finish school actually you won't get anybody out there see so many of us are taking decisions based on people's experiences not based on what the word of god says that is why one of the anchor scriptures on this podcast is Romans chapter 8 verse 14 that as many as are led by the spirit they are the sons of god and this is what god is by the spirit. in other words your greatest quest in life should be what is god saying concerning my life that should be your greatest quest every single day you wake up every single day what is god saying concerning my life what is god saying concerning my relationship what is god saying concerning my finances what is god saying concerning my career but many of us we are like what is the news saying what is the economic situation of the country saying that is why sadly many of us the choice of programs we are reading in the university has nothing to do with the will of god for our life but because of the state of our economy oh for this our country is only those in the medical field that are able to get a job after school so i'm going to become a health worker but that <laughs> by hook or crook because that's what the news is telling you are you living by the words that we God speaks or you are living by the information that everybody else is telling you and that is why also if you run away from people that relate with you based on what they can see you know in second corinthians paul was saying that for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen such as the word of god the word of god is not seen they are the things which are eternal because heaven and earth will pass away but the words of god are eternal and this should be your obsession every day of your life the words which god speaks that is why spending time with god every day is the most important activity of your day is that period of the day where you shut your ear to every other voice and you consciously and actively open your ear to the words of god because that is what you live by that is what you live by what you should be hunting for is the word of god and i want to really encourage you even as we are coming to the end of the year you should is not something you should is not a negotiable activity you should set aside i don't just give any duration but you should set aside a period before the year ends where you have a thorough and an honest retrospective of your life and where you open your ear saying god what do you have for me in the next year because we plan for every other thing we plan to feed our flesh we plan for every other thing but that thing which we need to survive is what we neglect which is the words of god so god is saying that sweet at i'm going to take you to the wilderness where when you wake up the first thing you are looking at for is god what are you saying because that is what you need for your survival be a word hunter hunt for the word of god because it is what you need for your survival live by the word of god and you see especially in marriage or in a relationship that is why it's important that we learn these things so you, you do what you are supposed to do for your spouse not because of how you feel but because that is what your responsibility is so you do not as a wife you do not submit to your husband because he bought you flowers from work or because he bought you chocolate or because of this or that and as a husband you do not love your wife because that you per se but you love her because that is what the word of god says you should do and this is what it means to live by the words which god speaks and in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 11 from the verse 10 following god gives the analogy of an eagle and teaches us how god trained the israelites and it's very interesting to note how an eagle trains the eaglet to fly so what the eagle does is that so if you read the Deuteronomy chapter 32 i think the verse 11 it says just as an eagle stirs the nest or disturbs the nest of an eaglet so also the lord took the israelite now if you just take a little study you realize that when the eagle is building the nest when she's pregnant what they do is that they build the framework of the nest with thorns then they cover it with leaves and mesh and all those things to soften it so when the eagle realizes after the eagle has given birth and the eaglet grows at a particular period when the eagle the mother eagle feels like they have grown what the eagle or the mother eagle does is that it stirs the nest or it shakes the nest 
And what happens is that it removes, by shaking and disturbing the nest, it removes the leaves and the mesh and all those things, exposing the eaglet to the thorns. So what happens is that the thorns begin to pierce the eaglet, and the eaglet is forced to jump out of the, of the nest. So this is the way an eagle begins to shake the eaglet that, hey, you have gone past this state. It's now time for you to leave the nest. And it's the same treatment that God will take us to. So the spirit of the nest of an eaglet is the wilderness experience of the believer. So maybe in your finances, you are depending on your uncle, you are depending on your parents, you are depending on your salary. God will shake things up so that you will know that every day what you need for survival is his words, not your salary is his words not your uncle is his words not your parents and what the eagle does is that at a particular period the eagle will pick the eaglet to a very high altitude and it will drop the eaglet <laughs> and what is doing that it watches the eaglet to see so the eaglet will open up its wings and begin to fly so what the eaglet does it looks at the eaglet and the eaglet has not opened up its wings then the mother eagle will pick up the eaglet and take it up a high altitude again and drop it. The mother eagle will keep doing this thing until the eaglet learns to open up her wings and fly. And God was telling the Israelites that just as the way an eagle trains its eaglet, so also I'm going to train you to open up your wings and fly. So God will disturb you. God will shake some things in your life. God will make you feel uncomfortable so that you will realize that it's not food that you need to survive. So that you realize that you should not have confidence in your flesh so that you realize that you should not have confidence in your family background. You should not have confidence in your academic accolades or in your choice of program. You should not have confidence in the things that your flesh receives, but what you should have confidence in this life is the words which God speaks. So God will make you uncomfortable. God will disturb you. And you see, until you pass this test, you cannot enter the promised land. That is why sadly, that out of the to some scholars, there are about 600,000 people that left Egypt. Only two of them entered the promised land because it was only two of them that passed this test. And you realize that when Moses sent the 12 spies, you had the 10 of them gave a report based on the information of their flesh. So the 10 of them said something interesting. The Bible said that the 10 of them came and said that for these men are like giants. They didn't just end over there. It says, in our eyes, we were like grasshoppers before them. It is we, when we look at ourselves and we look at these people in the land, we, we could see ourselves as grasshoppers before them. <laughs> but what did Caleb and Joshua say? Caleb and Joshua said that it is true that these people are bigger than said, that you are going to possess this land we should go for it. And these people will become like bread for us. And because they live by the word of God, they were two people that entered the promised land. I'll pause here and invite my friends, even as they give their commentary. We would invite Baba to give us a commentary. Baba. Okay, thank you very much. I would also say that by strength, no man shall prevail. So I've come to realize that in this world and in this life, You'd get to a state or you find yourself in a situation that nothing might seem to be working. You really need the word of God in your day-to-day -day life. Like you must live by the word of God because no matter what you may be going through, there is a sure word from God for that situation. And then I read a quote by an anonymous person that you may exist by other things, say your dreams, your ambitions, what you possess, maybe the material things that you may have. You may just exist by them, but then you only live by the word of God. So if your life is not in conformity with the word of God, you are just existing until your life conform to the word of God. You are just existing. So you only live by the word of God and then... I believe that's the reason why Paul admonished his people in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 15, that examine yourselves to see whether you are still in the faith. And then throughout this episode, Sam has been emphasizing on the fact that we walk by faith. We don't walk by what we see. So it's very likely and then very easy for you to sway from your faith or from the word of God. But you have to constantly examine yourself to know whether you are walking by the word of God. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you so much. We shall invite Benji to give his commentary. All right, thank you very much for this opportunity. 
I believe we've learned a lot from today's study and I'd like to share some things more that I've also learned and I'd want us to take note of. I think from the scripture that we read from Deuteronomy that God made the Israelites hungry so that he could feed them with a man. And when you look at the way the Lord lights, it's it was a very strange and miraculous way that God did because in the wilderness they had no options and there was no way they could have access to meals or food here. But God wanted to show to them or prove to them that He's actually the one that is going to take care of them and He's the one who is going to take them to the promised land. So this stands to prove to us that anytime we are going through the wilderness, we shouldn't really bother about the provisions that we need here. Once we are going to follow and then obey God, God is in control of what he's doing. He knows exactly what he has to do to give us the provision that we need in order to survive in the wilderness here. And that would help us to depend totally on him. That is what God wants us to do. Because it's very interesting how I think Zama said this, that we're able to trust our medical doctors, we trust our pharmacists, we trust our engineers when it comes to their field of profession, but it's very difficult for us to trust God when, or trust the word of God concerning our lives. Yeah, I think the man of God said that sometimes when uh, we go through certain things, we always think about the ways that we have or weird options that we have, but we usually don't look at the options that God had or the way that God has for us. And we're saying that it's not. Uh, universe. If it's your universe, you can do it your way. But once it is God's universe, you have to do it God's way. It's very, very expedient that we learn to trust God when we are going through the wilderness. And then one thing I also want us to take note of is that even though we have to trust God for things that He has said is going to provide for us, this doesn't give us the option, but it doesn't give us that escape route to be. Should I say lazy? Yeah. Because God said that He's going to provide for us, that doesn't mean that we should just sit down and then wait for the provision of God. Because when God was raining the manna from heaven, the Israelites, or He instructed the Israelites to pick them up and then gather for each of them, their families, the quantity that they needed for each particular day. And on Sabbath day, they had to gather, or well, the day before the Sabbath, they had to gather more that would cover for that day and the Sabbath day. Yeah, so that's the reason that there's a participatory role that every Christian has to play when it comes to being God in the wilderness. Because God is going to provide us in mean that you just have to sit down and then lazy around. But there is something that you have to do. Or there's a role that you have to play with the wilderness. You should learn to trust Him in everything that we are going through because he's the only one who is going to help us go through the wilderness. And as I said the other time, that the wilderness is always to separate the boys from the men here. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you so much. Um, we would invite Bene kindly give us a commentary. Okay, thank you very much. And concerning Abraham, the Bible says that um, previously, Abraham believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. But then God had to test him again with um, Isaac after approving of him. And then I would like to comment on what Pastor Rick said. He said that um, you can only give God as much of you as you understand at the moment. Um, think God your all in all sincerity you might think or you might believe that well you have complete faith in God in all sincerity you might think that you are humble or let's say you totally depend on God but God knows you better than you do know yourself so he will test you and so 
he will help you to come to that particular point where you have given him your all or where you surrender to him your all. So like Abraham, God may have tested you previously and then you may have passed. But there are aspects of your life that you do not know of, that you are not even aware of. So don't be disturbed when, let's say, God is taking you certain things and you think, oh, I have this, oh, I know this already, or oh, I think I have complete faith in God. God knows you better. And so submit to him and he'll help you and then he'll prune you and make you better and better. And also, um, C.S. Lewis said something which is quite nice. He said that pain is God's megaphone. And so when Sam was saying that um, sometimes, let's say, we are not supposed to live by um, bread alone, but then we are supposed to live by um, God's word. So in a comfortable days, let's say, when you are comfortable, when you have all in quotes, your physical needs at your disposal, let's say, when God is telling you that, Um, he's your all when God is telling you that you have to depend on him he's whispering those things sometimes you ignore them and you think oh I love God oh I think I believe God but when God takes your bread away from you when he takes those things that makes you comfortable away from you it's like his megaphone when you are going through pain he's screaming at you shouting at you that let's say hey Aja you are not born to live for yourself hey Aja you are not born to survive on this bread hey Aja you are supposed to look at me you are supposed to depend on me you are supposed to live by my way so yeah when you go through pain know that God is literally screaming at you that you have to look at him and don't look at your bread don't look at things that make you comfortable so Um, see your painful circumstances or your wilderness stage as God screaming at you to look at him. And sadly enough, a lot of times, God's scream or his megaphone is not so loud enough for us that even with his megaphone or his screaming, we close our ears to whatever he's saying and we are not um, listening to him or we are not looking at him. So whenever you go through a difficult circumstance, know that it's God screaming at you to look at him. So look at him and then live by his word. Don't let Screaming be in vain and don't complain. Amen and thank you. God bless you so much. Abna, kindly give us a commentary. Okay, so walking by faith and not by sight, it simply means uh, living according to God's promises and not according to your circumstances around you. When you read Exodus chapter 13, verse 20 to 22, it says, after leaving Succoth, they camped at Ethan on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. So over here, I want us to replace the Lord with the Word of God, because the Word is God. So over here, if you replace the Lord in this verse with the word of God, you realize that he became a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. So I want to tell us that in the wilderness, God's word is a pillar of cloud which guides us by day and by night is a pillar of fire which gives us light and lights our path out of that wilderness. So just like the way this light and then this pillar of cloud guided them out of the wilderness that's the same way the word of god delivers us and shows us the way out of the wilderness and walking by faith and not by sight sometimes it will shake you to the point where like you can't even stand straight but you have to stand straight and it might divert you from a path that you once decided to take and most importantly sometimes it moves us out of our comfort zones but we must be willing to submit to the authority of the word of God, which can sometimes condemn our flesh, like our fleshly desires and all that. But we need to cling to the promises of God and the promises of God are found in his word. Sometimes it can get very, very rough. Sometimes we might get tired and weary in this wilderness. We might feel so far from our destination. And in times like this, we'll be like, oh God, when? Like, when am I going to get out of this situation? God, when am I going to ever become this or that and all sorts of things. But I want to tell us today that God is looking for people who cling to his word and stand very tall in the midst of the storm. 
and I want to assure us that we'll come out of this wilderness with a faith much greater than we had before. And I want to share something small I learned about faith and the confessions of faith. So the confessions of faith openly, like out loud, it creates realities for you. And sometimes like confessing your faith, which is confessing the word of God, confessing who you are, what you are. So it gives you this like kind of vim that you've never had before. Sometimes in the midst of your wilderness, the word of God is able to give you so much strength. It, it helps you to move further. So I want to let us know that confessing our faith creates realities. It brings us to the point where the faith that we read in the Bible becomes a true reality for us. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you so much. God bless you so much for being with us. And tonight is really, really important because most of us have a decision in the word of God. It will amaze you to know why people did certain people did it. It will amaze you to know why people choose a particular program to read in a university. So all that we are trying to cut across tonight is that let the word of God influence your emotions. Let the word of God influence how you deal and relate with people. Let the word of God influence the places you go to, the people you interact, the things you post on social media. Let the word of God influence everything about you. And do not have confidence in the flesh. And God will take you to the wilderness to let you know that all the things that you are so confident in, they're actually nothing. Sometimes you are so confident in your first class. And it's very interesting how God can sometimes let you lose confidence in your first class. You can give somebody who had a worse grade than you in the university a particular scholarship. And we're like, ah, I did better than this person. Why is this person getting this opportunity? I'm not getting this opportunity. God wants to bring you to the place where you come to appreciate that it is not what your body or what you have been able to acquire that you should have confidence in. But it is in the fact that God is your father and your every need he will supply. We thank you for being with us. And as we like to do, we want to take a word of prayer. We want to just pray for grace that God should help us, that his words would influence us. For he said that I'm taking you to the road and that I am humbling you. I'm making you suffer and I'm giving you food. I am proving you to know what's in your heart. The reason I'm doing all these things is to let you know that that which you need for your survival in this world is my words not what you eat. We are praying to God to give us grace that our emotions will be influenced by the word, that our choices will be influenced by the word, our decisions will be influenced by the word, everything you do will be influenced by the word. For the psalmist said that for his delight is in the law of the Lord, and it's upon this law that he meditates day and night. Then your way will be prospered. Then you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You will bring forth your fruit in your season. What you need for prosperity is not a good grade. What you need for prosperity is not good connections per se. What you need is to be obedient to the word of God. What has God told you to do that you have not yet done? Father, we pray for grace that we would live by every word that you speak in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you all so much. We are really grateful for your presence and we are hoping that you will not be like a natural man who looks at his face in the mirror and forgets what he has seen and goes back to the normal life. We pray that we will be doers of the word. Remember to give God your best and to make sure that the only thing you owe anybody is love. Bye-bye and see you next week. Bye. My soul longs for you, this heart beats.